Cool. Hey crew, back on the couch today. I've got Dave joining me here, um, talking about some fundamentals in health and advanced health and fundamental coaching. Is that what it's called? Yeah, so it's yep. called advanced fundamental health. So it's you know it's kind of like uh, looking at you know functional health and, and nutrition, but then also looking at you know what what makes up the body and what makes the body work work well, which cool, you know yeah. hormones and, and nutrition. Awesome, man. Well, all right. well, I'll let you introduce a bit about um, what you've studied, what you've done previously, and what you're currently doing now, and how it all loops around. Yeah, Go sure, man. So, I mean, I started off, originally, I was I was doing marketing, so I have a bachelor's degree in marketing. Yep. Uh, I was running a social media marketing agency, you know, self-run business for a few years. Yep. And then in 2016, I got quite unwell. Uh, I was training for a Spartan race at the time, uh, and I blacked out um, running hills, smashed the right side of my head, and blew out the vestibular nerve in my inner ear. So technically classified as a TBI, traumatic brain injury, um, and had debilitating vertigo for about two and a half years. Wow. Um, so that, that took me down a pretty interesting path. Um, you know, I spent a good year or so being told by doctors that there's nothing you can do. This is your life from now on. And uh, that wasn't really a life that I wanted to live. Uh, so I got onto the work of a guy called Paul Check. Have you heard of Paul Check before? So he's a... He actually, he's done amazing stuff in health. And, you know, I'd really recommend people check him out. But one of the things he's done is he was the guy who brought the Swiss ball into training. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So phenomenal guy. I, I did, I ended up doing his course in, in learning how the body worked. And he's really big on the body is a series of interconnected systems and everything's related. And then I ended up going back to university to try and heal myself and work out what was going on. And I studied uh, neuropsychology and did a postgraduate diploma in science. Um, I was originally going to go through and do biomedical science and then I kind of realized that all the stuff that I wanted to do when I was interested in wasn't a part of the university system. It was Makes more sense. going to be yeah. self-taught. Yeah. So that was when I got into hormone replacement therapy uh, because all the stress that my body through, you know, went through just shut down my hormones. Um, and I, was, I lost all my muscle mass. I was feeling awful, um, very, very catabolic and just feeling like crap. Um, and then once I fixed all those up, I, I was like, wow, now I've actually got the strength to go through with this rehabilitation. So year, fast forward a year or so, popped out the other side, you know, a lot better than I was going into it. And then I took the knowledge that I'd taken from all my studies and, and working on myself and then started working with other people who were struggling with, you know, various ailments as well. Cool, man. Yeah, it's quite a, it's quite an interesting time coming through that, like, you know, um, that life changing event, right? Where you had something that changed the path of your career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and what you do today. Yeah. You know, when at the time that it happened, it was like the worst thing in the world. Like, you know, I lost all my clients. I had to move back in with my mom. Um, you know, at, at the time it was, it was, there was a long time where it was like, this isn't going to get any better. And for, you know, if no one's like, I wouldn't wish vertigo on anyone, but if you haven't had it before, it's imagine like spinning around on an office chair 50 times and then that's all the time. So you're yeah. constantly just, you know, unable to really interact with the environment and yeah, it turned out to be one of the biggest blessings because not only did it make me, you know, going through hormone replacement, making my health so much better than it was before, but it also, you know, gave me a lot of gratitude and put me in a new direction, which I'm super stoked to be doing. So it all ended Good up way. being a blessing. It yeah. just took a while for it to, you know, go through that journey. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It's always like that. It's like the blessing in the sky is like all that pain leads you to somewhere. Mm. And like, I suppose in a way that would be like such a dark place for you mentally when you just can't see that Mm. what you're going to do next or how yeah. it's going to benefit you. And I think that's the, you know, throughout history, men have gone through a rite of passage. Mm. And I think now we don't really have a rite of passage anymore. If anything, we're kind of more shunned away from that kind of stuff. And, you know, people want everything to be easy. And up until then, like I realized, you know, I, I'd had it really cruisy. I mean, I spent a while in a yeah. touring band. I got to, you know, be a bit of a, be a bit of a local rock star and play yeah, shows cool, and party. Yeah. What uh, I was I was doing vocals, so I was wow, I was yeah. spraying my head off and very cool, yeah. partying and like I, I had it very easy, so I was very soft. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like to me that was like my hero's journey. That was like my trial. Um, and yeah, when when you're in that kind of darkness, it feels like it's never going to end. And then when you come out of it, you you know you you've gained so much from that journey. So very grateful for it. Love it, man. Yeah. And um, let's bring it back around. So what you're doing today, um, a bit about like how the work you do, you're, you're explaining the clinic you work with over mm. East, our previous to conversation, we were just talking about a bit, of, a bit about what Dave does. So let's run yeah, into that. Man. So what I started doing originally was working on, I guess, what, what I call functional health coaching. So the main stuff I was looking at was just, you know, stress management, diet. I was working with a lot of people who had autoimmune conditions and it was mainly just doing food intolerance testing and cleaning up the diet. Um, and then once I got into hormone replacement, it was more kind of going through and looking at 
okay, how can we bring everything together? How can we bring training together? How can we bring stress management, diet, and then also, you know, what's kind of been dubbed interventional endocrinology, being like, well, you know, you may not be sick, but you also may not be thriving. Um, Not optimal. optimal. And, you know, for, I think there's a lot in place for people with serious problems. Like, you know, if you've got major, major depression or if you've got serious problems, you know, there's a lot of medicine there for you. But there's not really anything for people who just wake up in the morning just feeling a bit blah. Um, so that's kind of the people who I wanted to work with. Um, so at the moment now, you know, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing health coaching, you know, very, very uh, booked out at the moment, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and what I tend to do is I spend 90 minutes with people. So really kind of, you know, get to know what's going on, get to know what's going on with them. And then I partnered with a clinic on the Gold Coast called Performance Health Clinic, which allows me to basically refer my clients uh, to them to be able to get them serviced all across the country um, yeah, wow. yeah, for everything cool. from you know hormone replacement to you know anything else that they need in terms of their health. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, and ways uh, you mentioned about the food, the food intolerances. Just wondering, um, what's mm. the method used for testing that? Was that via blood markers again? Yeah, so yeah. I, I use a company called ImmuPro. A lot of food intolerance testing is done with like saliva and hair, and okay. that's very yeah. inaccurate. Um, a few of them also do it with like a blood prick, like you prick your finger and I don't think that's very accurate either. So this is like, you go, you order a test kit, you get a full blown, like, um, you know, referral form and you get, you know, proper blood drawn, like multiple vials. And then they basically go and take your blood and test it against food, proteins from all different categories. And depending on how much you pay is how many foods you can get tested for. Mm-hmm. So I think for like a, a relatively comprehensive test, you're looking at about 400 bucks. And then what happens is you get a result that kind of shows the degree that you are reacting to certain foods at that point in time. So for example, if you took someone with like celiac disease and they'd been eating a regular diet containing gluten, they'll probably react to like 30 or 40 different foods Yeah. because their gut is so ravished and torn open um, that, you know, everything, they're basically reacting to everything. So what you do is you, you do like a, a, you eliminate everything that's getting a reaction and then you retest six to eight weeks later and then the ones that are still lingering, the three or four that are hanging around, they're the true intolerances that are basically compromising your gut health. And then all the other ones you can now get away with because you've healed up your gut. Yeah, Which is a yeah. huge, huge, huge intervention because a lot of people, yeah. you know, like I've, I've had people come back and told like severely intolerant to like guar gum, which is like a thickener. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, xanthan gum, um, yeah. that, mangoes. Is that is that interesting? Like because it's so it's used so frequently, yeah. They build that intolerance to it. And if you do like an elimination diet, you're probably not going to pick that up unless no, you go like not. hardcore, yeah. like autoimmune, paleo, carnivore, like make yeah. everything yourself. You're, so you're gonna have so much time for that. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of time. So I always yeah. say, you know, test don't guess, and you'll waste more than four hundred bucks on food mm. if you're trying to do a strict, you know, elimination diet than just yeah. doing the test. Yes, and then that way you know. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, hundred percent. Yeah, cool. Um, and that's not something you currently do. Is that something you still still doing, doing it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So cool. I kind of try to bring everything together. The big thing that Paul Check talks about is, you know, the body is a series of interconnected systems, and everything yep. is connected. So if you've got a, a group of symptoms that you think are unrelated, we can actually look and, and be like, well, actually, yeah, they're all kind of feeding into each other. Yes, because the body the yep. body is a system. Um, so you know, if particularly when people have issues with you know di- digestive problems, mood problems. Yep either before or after they've optimized their hormones, like if they've still got something going on, then you know you definitely want to look at that, particularly for people with like autoimmune conditions or chronic pain. You definitely want to Yeah, that. cool man. Like what's your what's your most common case or your most common client that comes to you? You wanna describe that but for the listeners that are interested, just so we can link people into what you do. Yeah, so I'd say there are there are three three case studies I get a lot. Uh, one is younger men with low testosterone. And this is a big problem. Surprising, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And what the research is showing is, so for example, my, my parents are baby boomers. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm 27, 28 tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so I'm 27, my parents were born in 56. So I'm a good example of this. So me, if I was left untreated, the average guy my age and an average dad, the age of my dad, would have the same testosterone levels. So a 27 year old having the same testosterone levels as the guy in his 60s. That's, that's wow. what's going on at the moment. Yeah, okay. And then again, if, my grandfather was my age, he would have probably had double to triple the testosterone that I had now. Mm. So what's happening is for, you know, women go through menopause, it's pretty well known. Men go through what's called andropause, which is basically your testosterone peaks and you're just after puberty. And then you're on like a very gradual, like linear decline, basically until you, until you pass and you get yep. older. But what's happening is blokes 
aren't peaking up, you know, right up top, they're peaking at a very, very low level and they're still declining. Yeah, so wow, okay. Yep. You're, you're getting guys in their 20s and early 30s with the testosterone levels of what we'd usually see in, in a man in the 80s, 90s. Wow, okay. Um, yeah. And it's it's manifesting in depression, anxiety, yeah. oh, man. Oh. And, and stress. Yeah. Stress is the big problem and a lack of resilience mm. to stress. Mm. Um, so that, that's one thing I get. Another thing I get is, is men who are just older, so men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who had healthy testosterone levels when they're in their early 20s, but no longer do because they've gotten older and they want to look and feel their best. And then the third is men and women, particularly women because they're more sensitive to it with hypothyroidism and subclinical hypothyroidism, which goes undiagnosed or untreated by the standard doctor. And you know it manifests in a lot of symptoms that people would just call depression and anxiety. Yes, it's so common. Mm. It's, it's really sad. Like uh, even my clients, like some, some of my clients are, you know, because um, as a personal trainer, I've mm. only got Cert 4, so I can't say anything mm-hmm. that would put me in liability of them killing themselves, right? Yep. So I've got to be very careful what I say. And like, you know, uh, when you've got clients taking um, uh, antidepressants or yep. anxiety medication, mm. you know that, you know, you've got an idea of the harm that it's doing and what could be better for them. But you're just going to mm. you know, refer on that. Well, let's see if we can find another doctor yep. that can help. So it's good to have those other outlets where people can go talk to or at least go get a consult and see what other options there are for them yeah and it's just taking the time to talk to people like yeah and that's why i'm very big on on the 90 minutes is like and i'll always say you know if we finish up early then i'm not going to charge you for 90 minutes but it always takes the full 90 sometimes it goes for two hours because um you know you you really have to ask a lot of questions and you'd probably know this as well as a pt it's the the stuff that people say when they're just talking candidly to you when they're comfortable Mm. that tells you more 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, once you get them relaxed, you build that trust, and they go, Yeah. And they're like, Oh, you know, I eat pretty well. And then they're like, they're like, Oh, last night I had this and I had that. You're like, Okay, all right. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. yeah. And that's their idea of eating pretty well. And it's yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's like, Oh, okay. That's, that says a that lot. That explains a lot. Yeah. 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 When, you, when you learn about people's beliefs mm. and what they um, attach to certain words yeah. or what they think certain words mean, it's like, can always be different to yours. Yes. Um, and that's where those consults just help so much. Well, I could imagine they would for you. Like, they'll just, you know, mm. pick apart those little things for people. Yeah. 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 And just build that whole picture. Um, let's go back into one of your, um, so again, saying you want to give away, but just mm. talk about the typical protocol that you give yeah, sure. for your, um, for your average male in his twenties with the testosterone levels of like a 67 year old. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm very open with all these protocols because all I can do is make recommendations and, yes. yep. you know, I'll, I've, I've even, you know, posted various places online being like, you know, if you don't want to work with me, here's what you should start with and here's what you should talk to your yeah. doctor about and go from there. So Usually it's the first thing I like to do is, you know, make sure that the the guy is healthy and living optimally. So if he's eating, you know, a junk food diet, not getting any sunlight, not training and he's overweight and his blood markers are showing that, you know, his HPA axis and his testicles are working well. I'm like, well, let's actually just try to get you healthy and see yeah, if you can get some sun, go for a walk. Yeah. Like, food. yeah. And yeah. let's, let's make sure that's all in check. So that's my first thing, you know, I, I, Testosterone replacement therapy is very invasive and it's invasive for two reasons. One is that you're doing injections. Uh, the second is that you're shutting down your natural production. So it's, it's, it's definitely a last resort, uh, but I wouldn't say it's a last resort like over something like antidepressants or something else. You know, if, there, if there's a clinical deficiency, you definitely want to, you want to fix that. So yeah. what I tend to recommend for men is, is doing injections. Uh, injections are unfortunately prescribed at one injection every fortnight. And what happens is the half-life of the medication is about 10 to 12 days. So what's happening is you're getting a massive spike and then then you're you're dropping back down to probably levels that are lower than before you started. Because your natural production's... Natural production's gone. That's a a little flaw in that system, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's unfortunate that's what the prescribing guidelines are. But the good thing is when you do get prescribed testosterone, you are self-administering. So as long as you're doing the same dose over, you know, let's say if you're doing uh, 250 milligrams over, over two weeks, which is like the standard dose, you can do 125 milligrams a week or you could okay, do 62.5 yeah. milligrams twice a week. And, and no doctor's going to criticize to, that. <laughs> trying to get that precise amount. Yeah. <laughs> 62.5. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, is that half a mil? Is yeah. quarter of a mil? <laughs> yeah. And you've like, you know, I get guys to use insulin syringes. Like I, yeah, I don't okay, see any yeah. need unless you're, you know, doing a big anabolic cycle and you've got to pin a whole bunch of oil. Like yeah. if you're just doing replacement, like you use an insulin syringe and you stick it in sense. your shoulder. Cause yeah. Like, you know, when I first started, you know, this was years ago and I didn't know what I was doing. I remember just sitting there with this big harpoon needle about to stick it into my leg and I'm, I'm shaking oh, and no. um, I hit oh, a nerve no. and I was like, oh, and I was like, I don't want to do this. And yeah. 
But yeah, so it's, I recommend the guys do a twice a week injection to start with. And then, you know, you can go more frequent than that. I personally like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's just more even. But when you start injecting yourself, man, it's like, it's, it's a big thing. Like it's, yeah. it's counterintuitive. It's like a low school thing as well. Yeah, so yeah. you've got to get used to it. And the, the big thing with anything that, you know, you'd know as a PT as well is like, it has to be something, compliance is the key. If, if they don't comply and if it's not sustainable, then it doesn't matter. markers out too. Like you get an inconsistent flow of um, testosterone or yeah. hormones, uh, hormone replacement therapy going in, then that can wreak havoc itself in the body. Absolutely. And that's why so many, particularly unfortunately, women get, get a really rough end of the stick with hormone replacement because they get given a protocol, but it's a bad protocol. And it's like, well, and that's what happens a lot with guys as well. You know, they get this big... 250 milligram shot of test and they feel like King Kong for a couple of days and then they get a bunch of estrogen conversion and they feel like crap for the rest of the week um, and it's just it's throwing them out of out of rhythm so what we want to do is mimic basically what I say to people is you, you want to mimic you know our our ancestors or even like our great grandparents if they were in their their prime of hormonal health yeah so it's you know you want to take your testosterone level to the top of the the point that the human body can uh, tolerate healthfully um, as if you know you're youthful in your early 20s so usually it's a couple injections a week and then it's also looking at a lot of guys also benefit from a little bit of thyroid um, and that you know helps with their training helps with their metabolism high, um, thyroid medication yeah yep, yep. so T3 T4 um, I like the idea of blending both of them together yep. um, in the states they use something called natural desiccated thyroid which is like a, a extract from the pig thyroid gland mm-hmm. we don't get that over here so we just blend T4 T3 together um, uh, who makes T3, T4? Uh, compounding pharmacies. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So yep. um, that way you can, you know, you can have, you're, you're basically, the, the cool thing with thyroid is you're not shutting down your natural production. So you can just kind of top yourself up. Yes. So if you're 10% deficient, then you give yourself a little bit. If you're 50% deficient more and so on. Um, and that way we're going towards, you know, more optimization of, of hormonal health. And if you if you throw those two things in, you know, for, for the average guy, it's a night and day difference. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, mm. that's really cool. Like, especially when you're looking at it like that, where you get that, um, like one of the things that stuck out for me about what you just said is looking back to our great great grandparents. So mm. you look at their lifestyle, right? Like mm. just the average the average um, worker back then got mm. more sunlight. Yep more physical labor, yep. uh, probably eating a lot less shit because it wasn't available. It wasn't available. Spending yeah. less time on devices and watching blue screens and yep. blue light and like all these things and staying awake at night just because they're exhausted. They have to sleep and they can recover better. Mm. They're in this like state where the bodies are so much naturally healthier yep. and they can function so much better yep. and usually function off a lot less than what we have the, you know, so much variety today. So yep. that's, a, that's a really cool point. Yeah, and yeah. it's 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 fascinating to think, you know, we we kind of need to look at you know in terms of like human evolution like we as human beings have been around for millions of years Mm. like so in terms of you know since like post-industrial revolution where the the world has massively changed like diet lifestyle everything that's like a a fraction of a second in terms of our biological evolution so we evolved to this catch up yeah we evolved for this environment that's completely different to where we are now and then we're getting sick and we're getting you know autoimmune problems stress related problems lifestyle related problems and it's just because we're not living consistently with our evolution um and you know this to me is one of the most effective interventions outside of what you can do in day-to-day life yeah because you're almost kind of safeguarding yourself against all the the environmental and lifestyle you know toxins and poor behavior that's kind of inevitable to a certain degree in modern life yes um and that way you can you can still thrive and i think the way that i look at it is you know you and i are sitting here today because our ancestors were the ones who survived every battle, every plague, every scarcity. Like we're yeah. like the dominant bloodline. We are yeah. the, you know, we our, our bloodline, you know, is here because we we survived. Like you know, yes. survival yeah. of the fittest. Yeah. And then you know you look around and more than fifty percent of the population is either overweight or has mental health problems or both. Oh, it's, it's so sad, isn't it? And it's yeah. like that. That to me is just it's it's not acceptable be. to be the norm. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, it's good really that we're talking it. about it and it's yeah. good that we're we're bringing it up, but it's also like that shouldn't be okay that everyone is sick and unwell. And yeah. I think that, that that to me is is really sad. Mm. So yeah, I think Agreed. this is yeah. a great thing that we can do. <clears throat> 100%, that's, that's such a good point. Like 
you know, it shouldn't be normal that one in three people you know will die of um, uh, some severe illness. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not okay. That, that shouldn't mm-hmm. be the way that the body has to go. Absolutely. Um, you know, and before the age, like, the average life expectancy of Australian is uh, 83. Yep. That just seems too young. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's like 30,000 days. Yep. Um, which isn't a lot. Yep. When you, when you add it all up, it's, a, it's not a lot of time to spend mm. alive. Absolutely. Like, we should, like, really look at the ways, like, what you're doing right is trying to push... Um, human life expectancy and the quality of that life lives it's as well. The quality, and that, yeah. that's the big thing is, you know, and honestly, I, I think that the reason why um, life expectancy sometimes looks better in certain graphs and diagrams is because we've just been able to prolong the disease state for longer. It's like the majority of people now will survive their first heart attack. There's so many things wrong with that sentence. Oh. First heart attack. Why should there be a first? Yeah. yeah. First stroke even. Yeah, 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 but we're not we're not doing anything and we it's almost like as a society we don't care about extending that health span. And like like I I'd rather kick ass till seventy and drop than, you know, spend the last ten years of my life in a wheelchair and live till hundred and ten. Mm. Um, you know, and everyone's gonna be different. But for me it's like, well, with with hormone replacement it's like, yeah, you, you may live longer and that's great, but the thing is, you know, you're gonna be able to have that quality of life in your later years, uh, which to me is the most important thing. So yeah, it's about increasing that health span, which I think is really important. That's awesome, man. Going on to the second, so that's that covering a bit of the first type of client. Mm. Uh, second type of client is your older male. So what's a, what sort of protocol you go for that? It's similar. And because we're, because we're shutting down natural production with testosterone, the, the dosing tends to be not the same for everyone. Everyone does respond differently. And there is like a, a kind of, uh, there is a, a window of, of kind of the, the responsive dose that people will take, but it tends to be pretty similar. Um, the difference is when we're looking at a guy who's a bit older, we're also looking at the other hormones that may start to decline as well. So you're looking at growth hormone, you're looking at the adrenal hormones, which is pregnenolone and DHEA. Some men even get a reduction in progesterone, which is largely considered a female hormone, but still very important for men. So we kind of have to look at more systems and it's just basically, you know, there's more wear and tear. We've also got to look at, you know, is this bloke, is the, the shutdown as a result of what's called primary hypogonadism, which is actually issues with the testicles, or is there a problem with the pituitary sending the signal? And if yes. there's a problem with the yep. pituitary sending the signal for testosterone, there's probably problems with other hormones as well. Mm. Um, so with, when the guy's older, there's usually a few more things we've got to consider. With, but with a younger guy, usually the adrenals are pretty good. Usually the thyroid's okay. Um, so it's just a bit more in depth. And then with the older guys as well, you also really want to, particularly for, for everyone, but particularly with the older blokes, you really want to look at their blood sugar regulation as well. Um, you know, you want to look at their metabolic health. Um, and if, if that's off, that's also something you want to intervene with as well. Um, ideally through diet and lifestyle, but you can also do it with, you know, medication and, and hormone support too. Cool, man. Like one of the things you talked about there was growth hormones. So what's, uh, what's something you help to directly or indirectly help with that in older males? Yeah, so growth hormone, growth hormone is an amazing hormone. And I think, I think it's been misrepresented and, and I think growth hormone's a bad name for it. I think it should be called youth hormone. Um, it's only called growth hormone yeah, because sense. Yeah. if you give it to a kid, which you know you wouldn't do, but let's say if you gave it to a kid, it's going to make him grow. So they yeah. call it growth hormone. Yeah. Um, you know, growth hormone has some phenomenal benefits in the body and it does decline as we get older. The main issue with growth hormone is it's really expensive. Like it's very, very, very expensive. So is that something you would um, put in a recommended protocol? Yeah, absolutely. If it's deficient, absolutely. Because you're going to get phenomenal benefits from it. But for unfortunately for a lot of people, it is out of budget because you'd be looking at, you know, maybe 20 to $30 a day. Yeah, for for the units. For just one unit. Yeah, yeah, one unit. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So if it is deficient, particularly for older guys, phenomenal. Um, otherwise another option that we can do for people who are, you know, on a budget or, um, you know, want to go down a different route is use, uh, growth hormone releasing peptides, which are legal in Australia. Um, yes. Yeah. The amazing thing in Australia is, you know, we're behind with a lot of stuff, but with peptides, we're yeah. way ahead. Yeah. It's like, really cool. Yeah. yeah. So we, we can get them prescribed. Um, and the growth hormone secretologues, uh, which basically increase your body's own production of growth hormone are extremely effective and they're a lot more mm. affordable. Yeah. Um, and they also, now that they've kind of been a bit more developed and there's been new generations of them, they're actually, I, I wouldn't say that nothing's going to be on par with real growth hormone, but you know, if you can get 80% of the bang for your buck for 10% of the price, yeah, for some people over, it's- Over eight week period instead of straight away too, because mm. like, generally that's uh, what, you know, my limited knowledge on it compared to um, you know the, you, someone like you working directly with it is that mm. you know it's a longer process using- 
um, peptides over yep. than using the direct hormone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, growth hormone is phenomenal. And I think, but unfortunately, it's that budget thing because it is very expensive. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the, the amount of benefit that you can get, if you're, if you're an older bloke and you're deficient and you can replace your natural production of, you know, when you're in your early 20s, your quality of life, your quality of sleep, your... Um, your metabolic health, your physical health, your body composition mm. all goes through the roof. Yeah. Um, which is awesome to see, but it's just it's a little bit expensive. Which yeah, is yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things you work with, um, well, I know they had a bit of a, a crackdown over the last couple of years, but uh, mm. a few years ago, the um, selective androgen receptor modulators. Yeah, the SARMs. Yep. So they were, they were quite a big um, hit for um, helping people in performance and also getting health back on track. Did yep. you have much, much experience in that? Yeah, so in Australia, we have uh, one called Osterine. Um, and I believe that there is a couple of other ones that are legal, but Osterine tends to be the main one that gets used in a clinical setting. Um, and the cool thing with Osterine, when you get it prescribed and do it properly, as opposed to buying it on the internet, is you can get it done in an injectable form. Well, and okay. the main yeah. issue with SARMs and even something like MK677, which is like a, a growth hormone peptide, mm. which often gets lumped in with the SARMs, is they're all orals. Um, and the bioavailability is crap. Yeah, it doesn't get absorbed as much. Like Sometimes like 20%, which yeah. is just ridiculous. Yeah. For how much you're spending, yeah. you think you're getting 100%, but if you're yeah. only absorbing 20 yeah. because you've got shit gut health or because your body is not, mm. um, can't process that particular type of peptide or mm. that particular type of SARM, it's like... You're wasting money just yeah. pissing it out. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also, yeah, and it's you're just shooting yourself in the foot in so many ways. And mm. yeah, so we can we can do the injectable version. Um, in terms of like a, a clinical application for uh, anything outside of performance enhancement, I believe they are currently being studied and researched as breast cancer medications. Yeah. Which is actually very similar to a lot of the antibiotic steroids, particularly the the androgenic steroids. Like, That's uh, how they came about. Yeah, yeah like, you know, ma- Masteron, which is a very popular one, was originally yeah. a breast cancer drug. Um, so I believe they're currently being studied for breast cancer use, um, but they're not being used for anything at the moment that I believe other than for performance enhancement. Um, and I think there's this misconception at the moment, which I I think most of it's gone, but it's still lingering around a bit that if, if you're wanting to do a steroid cycle, it's, you're better off using SARMs instead of steroids. And a lot of people are still thinking that's a better option and it's a way worse option. It's I think terrible. that was yeah. marketing by the people. The SARM company, yeah. yeah. It was just terrible marketing. Yeah, yeah because the, the thing yeah. with the SARM is, you know, you're up-regulating. So the way that testosterone works in the body, yeah. So you're actually down-regulating your natural production. So the way, yeah. that, the way that testosterone works in the body, it's the same as neurotransmitters. It doesn't actually do anything until it binds to the receptor. So it can be floating around in the body, but until it actually activates a target receptor, which would be the androgen receptor, it's not doing anything. Yeah. So what a SARM is doing is basically making that receptor more sensitive. So the idea is you can have less androgens, but you can have more sensitive androgen receptors. Problem is, if you use that on its own, for example, you know, in place of doing something like a cycle, your body is becoming so sensitive to all the testosterone that you have, it goes, we don't need any more you can stop producing it because we've got tons because the yeah. receptors are so yeah, sensitive. Yeah. Shut down your natural production so you get minimal gains while this you're on cycle. Sorry. Yeah, yep. this is yep. Psalms alone. Mm. You're getting minimal gains on cycle and then you come off and you've shut down your natural production. So it's just like bad and bad. So Psalms should really only be used in addition to testosterone replacement um, or as part of a performance enhancement protocol. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Like uh, I've, I've um, seen people... Um, friends in the strength sports because um, mm. obviously performance enhancements is yep. that's what strength sports is yep. for people that think that strength athletes are natural that's not actually no. <laughs> most, most athletes worldwide yeah, um, yeah uh, is that the Psalms work really well yep. when in conjunction mm. with um, hormone replacements um, or performance enhancements so, absolutely um, yeah yeah like that that's where yeah. they will use best yeah yeah and i think it's a really exciting field and i think the premise of them is and this hasn't been proven yet but if it does move in this direction i think it's really exciting because you can take two scenarios you can take someone on hormone replacement and using a psalm so let's say using you know 250 milligrams of testosterone a week and something like injectable osterine versus someone doing an anabolic cycle so maybe double the amount of tests and then a couple of extra anabolics and the theory is that because you've got more sensitive receptors and a good amount of testosterone, you're going to be able to yield the same positive results, yeah. but way less side effects. 100%. That's the best and, thing about the psalms. And that, yeah. that sounds awesome. The only thing is that 
what hasn't been proven is if we're upregulating systemic uh, androgen receptors, what happens when we're upregulating that in the liver and in the bones and everywhere else? And so it's got to be proven for safety first in terms of, you know, uh, being as, as much of a big thing, but in terms of, you know, response and effect and, and, you know, how they're going at the moment, people like using them. Like they, they work yeah. very, very well. Yeah. Like interesting, you say that about the um, uh, about the liver, uh, sorry, liver and bone as mm. well. So I found myself every time I was on cycle for performance enhancements. Yeah, like liver enzymes would always go up. Yeah, so upregulating um, liver enzymes and the mm. production of protein through that. Yeah, um, and also bone density. Every time I did a DEXA scan, that was just off the scales. Yeah, like it would always just shoot up. Like. We need yeah. to build a bigger chart. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we don't have enough chart for your bone density. Yeah. So that's that's one thing and you know, plus with heavy lifting and all you know, resistance mm. weight training as well, yeah. um, in comparison to body weight or bone density. Mm. Um, you find those things shoot up as well. So that was interesting you bring that up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the the big not the big concern for me, but the main concern for me is, you know, we know that estrogen has really important roles in the body. Yeah. And we don't want it to be through the roof. And we know that, you know, xenoestrogens, which are like unnatural estrogens that are getting in the body through the environment, plastic, pollution, diet. Um, We know that they're not good, but we know that biological estradiol is is really beneficial for both male and And female health. And testosterone production. And testosterone production. It's really like it works hand in hand with um, helping the building blocks. Absolutely. Yeah. So my, my concern is if we're, upregulating androgen receptor function in like the liver could that also impact maybe insulin resistance could it could it impact metabolism poorly Mm. could there be downstream negative effects in the future no idea but once the safety data comes out and there's more long-term studies if it all if it's all good to go i think they'll be absolutely huge yeah 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 because you think about like you know the um Bodybuilders and athletes around the world have been using performance enhancements since the sixties. Like, oh yeah, yeah, like well documented. Yeah, but the amount of research on it is so you know it's either really backdated. Yeah, um, or it's um, you know it's inconclusive. Yeah, or there's not enough backing behind it. So, yeah, or there's not enough people willing to be tested. So mm. I think over the next ten, you know, you'd probably know have a more um, accurate prediction, but just. Mm. Off what I think, like off 10 years, you know, the next 10 years, we could see some pretty awesome stuff coming out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. And especially with, you know, the way that the pharmaceutical industry works, like, you know, if there's incentive for SARMs to be, you know, developed and used as medication or even used for mood disorders or or anything for men, there's going to be a big uptick in their research and production. So if there's money to be made. Yeah, there's money to be made off people's illness. Yeah. And if uh, if pharmaceuticals, you know, we look at just the example of um, cannabis and cannabinoids. Yeah. Um, Like how how much that's um, taken off now Mm. in the the US and Canada and other parts of the world because they realize how much money is to be made. Well, they're always known, they're just trying to figure out how to regulate it. Mm. And now it's been able to regulate the THC and your CBD, um, different oils and things like that. It's just, it's, um, yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, 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 and it's it's funny you bring up um, CBD because that's actually something that I recommend for all my clients to use. Yeah, um, yeah. and getting it is a bit tricky because I work with guys all over the world and, and yeah. girls all over the world. So you yeah. know, people can you know buy it over the counter in some countries and other well, yeah, countries. You got to get a prescription, don't you? You got to get yeah. get a prescription. Yeah. yeah, and unfortunately, it's it's not cheap. Um, but it looks like that's going to be changing very soon and it's yes. all evolving. And yeah. um, but I actually have been recommending for a while that people even if. Because you know money is an issue with CBD and, and access, and at the very minimum, I actually p- recommend people do a microdose of CBD every day, yep. five to ten milligrams. Um, whereas like an acute dose for something like training, you know, if I've if I've just done like a late night, um, you know, uh, Muay Thai session, or I've done like a late powerlifting session, and I come home and I'm jacked up, I'll probably take fifty to hundred milligrams. So it's a much lower dose, but as an anti-inflammatory. Yeah, that's what incredible. it's been proven to be really amazing in NFL players Absolutely. in America, like yeah. that. Yeah, they've now taken it. I think they've now taken it off the um, uh, world uh, anti-doping yes. list. They've yes. taken CBD oil, uh, CBD off that mm. because they realised, um, well, one, it doesn't actually make it high. Yes. But two, the uh, inflammatory, um, anti-inflammatory effects are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what's really important for people to to understand is like when you CBD and THC are, are very different beasts. And the body has what's called an endocannabinoid system, being the endogenous production of cannabinoids, and what happens is an interesting fact for people is like the runner's high, for example, that endorphin rush that kicks in, you know, 
five to 20 minutes into cardio. Same with the liver enzymes, is that right? Or is that... It's actually the endocannabinoid okay, system. Yeah. So you're literally getting high on your own supply. Yeah, wow. Um, so your body, when, when you use CBD, what your body is, what it's doing is it's actually not introducing any more cannabinoids into the system. It's acting almost like a psalm for those endocannabinoid receptors. So it's making you more sensitive to the cannabinoids you're already producing. So there's no down regulation, there's no withdrawal, there's no dependence, there's no addiction. Whereas when you put in something like THC, you're putting in an external cannabinoid that's shutting down your natural production okay, temporarily. Yeah. Which is why, you know, if, if someone, you know, smokes weed every night for a year and then depressed. stops, yeah. they feel awful. And yeah. it's, it's kind of like if you use testosterone every day for a year and stop, your natural production's <laughs> gone down. Um, yeah. The, the, the endocannabinoid system will recover much quicker, but... It's very interesting. Yeah, so that's why CBD is not only phenomenal for cannabis withdrawal, but just for people in general, because you're not disrupting any of your biological processes, you're enhancing them. Um, and because we know that you know the body produces its own cannabinoids, some people genetically maybe don't produce quite enough. They have an increased uh, conversion to what's called arachidonic acid. Um, so using a tiny bit of CBD for people, particularly on, on hormone replacement or even on cycle, if you reduce the inflammation and reduce the stress in the body, you're going to have better metabolism of the hormones that we're putting in and better response to treatment. So it's, it works very synergistically with hormones, yes. um, but it also just works phenomenally for day-to-day health. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, you know, I think we've got, uh, we've got so much pushes, uh, this is what, this is what, that's what I love about um, the idea of bringing you onto this podcast, is because you got a lot of knowledge in the Western mm. medicine, you got a lot of knowledge in the, um, in your um, natural remedies yeah. and natural medicines as well, mm. which is being pushed up with Western medicine now, mm. um, and you know, you, I added, you added me into your Facebook yep. group, where you do consults and information, yep. and just looking like, uh, uses for like uh, metformin, for example, yep. your diabetes medication and ashwagandha mm. and things like that. How you can just put those into different protocols to help different people mm. for different reasons. That's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. and I think the the ashwagandha is a phenomenal one. And, and for anyone, have you used it before? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been using ashwagandha for since twenty fourteen. Yeah. Uh, on and off, but yeah. you know, pretty consistently. So that, you know, that's like six years of use. Um, and what I think is driving a lot of people's problems in day to day life. You know, there's there's buzz there's buzzwords like anxiety and depression and um, you know different terms that people will attach to how they're feeling because they'll identify with a label. Whereas I think what is driving a lot of people's state of disease in whatever way it is is stress. Yes, and I think stress is huge. It's just our day to day lives these days. Like, yeah, life is stressful. I mean, schedule it has yeah. been, but I think like uh, and again, it's just my opinion of what mm. I see. But you know, we didn't used to have. Uh, like you know, the common thing was keeping up with Joneses back in the day, right? Yeah. You didn't have social media. You just saw you saw what you saw on TV. Yeah. If you had a TV. Yeah. You heard what you heard on the radio. Yeah. You read what you read in the newspaper. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Now there is so much information that overloads people, and I think that's mm. where the stress comes from. Like. Yeah. Just yeah. I, I think that's a huge contributor, and I think particularly for men, like we need stress. We need we need hard stuff to do, and then we need to overcome it. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. what we need to feel satisfied as you know, a masculine man. But the the flip side to that is we also need a period of rex, rest, relaxation, and recovery because you kind of need to earn that rest, which yeah. is what makes it satisfying. And I think previously our evolution was built around that. You know, we had periods of hard times and we had periods of Fam- hunting famine, and famine, yeah. and but we also had big periods of just chilling out and everything mm-hmm. being okay. So we had these shorter bouts of acute stress, whereas now we have long-term chronic low-level stress. And it's everything from, you know, undersleeping, uh, over-caffeinated, you know, cars whizzing past all the time, Um, you know, just our day-to-day lifestyles, which are, you know, the 40-hour work week and and everything that goes with that. And I think that, you know... Relationships. Relationships, Nowadays, like, look how um, um, uh, dispendable relationships Mm. are now. Like, compared to, like, you know, you knew if you met someone when you were 16, Mm. you're probably going to be with them to die. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, in your 20s, you could probably have like a hundred different partners. Yeah. Like with how easy it is to date now, like how mm. convenient it is to, in the system that we live in, yep. where it's so easy to block people out of your life, it's like you're losing that human connection. Like that mm. takes stress on yourself. Like you don't, subconsciously, like yep. oh, I've done this in the past where you go through multiple relationships. Mm. You know, you, in the time you're like, oh, this is great. I'm having fun. But you don't realize the amount of um, human connection you're losing cutting off. Mm. and how much um, damage that can do and how much stress that can put on yourself in other areas. Mm, absolutely. And it's, you know, back in the, not even that long ago, you used to be able to support a nuclear family on one wage. 
the average person used to be able to support a household. Yeah. And it's like, you know, now everyone's got to go to work and then come home and look after the house, look after their family and children mm. if they have them. And it's just, you know, it's this chronic... If you can afford to have them. If you can afford to have yeah. them, yeah. And so now it's just like, I, I think ashwagandha is a phenomenal remedy to that chronic stress. And I think what can also happen a lot, you know, what I see a lot with younger men is men who are, you know, when they're, when they're boys and they're growing up, they, they go through a period of, of what they, they feel is perceived stress. And whether it's, you know, I remember for me, my TE exams were very stressful because at that time it was the hardest thing that I'd ever done. So for my perceived stress, it was off the charts. Now I wouldn't really give a shit, but at the time it was a very stressful event. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of guys who've been through some form of stress when they were younger and they didn't have a good relationship with their parents to talk to them about it. And they created trauma for themselves. And that trauma... Like inside their own head. Yeah, because yeah. it's that perceived stress. Um, you know, it caused them to, you know, be worrying about it when they're going to bed as a kid. And that builds up over time. And then, you know, their brain develops around a, a perceived stressful environment. And then they develop basically a learned fear. So they go out in the world and they're fearful. Um, because they've been... They've, sad, isn't it? It's very yeah. sad. Yeah. Um, and because what they were just missing was that just love and human connection. Um, but, you know, parents need to go out of their way to do that. Um, and, you know, so for these, for these men now, you know, something like ashwagandha and some other, you know, anti-stress remedies can completely change their lives, you know, and, you know, I, I'm not that big on a whole bunch of herbal medicine. I think, you know, Chinese place. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, it's not being on an end That's what I say to people. Like there's a reason why we have, you know, freaking millions of studies on the medicine that we have yeah. and why they've had like, you know, it takes 10 years before it's out of the lab, like, or seven years yeah. before it goes through the trial process before yeah. it's even allowed in humans. Like, yeah. there's so much research gone into it. Yeah. You can't just think, you know, someone's yeah. on the corner selling your herb is going to yeah. beat all that. Yeah, so, and you can yeah. just go into, you know, you go into Chemist Warehouse and there's a whole wall of Chinese medicine that Western culture just doesn't understand and it's just yeah. capsules full of like ginseng and all these different herbs. Which is that, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has its place. Yeah. yeah. But if we don't know how to use them, but ashwagandha is the one that I, I'm very big on. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think that for, particularly for men, you know, there's some studies on it that are absolutely phenomenal in terms of, there's one study and it uses 600 milligrams twice a day for eight weeks and the reduction in cortisol serum mm. levels was 30%. Reduction yeah. in perceived stress. At different times of the day too. They did actually, yeah. I think they did that. I've seen that say where they actually did that test, not just at one point of the day. It's four they point, a, yeah. Yeah, four point throughout yeah. the day, which is, you know, how you should do that test. Yeah. yeah. It was an 89% reduction in wow. perceived stress. That's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. The body would just function or flow so much better. Yeah. yeah. So if you can combine that, you know, if you can knock testosterone down, increase, you know, energy metabolism through thyroid and then increase confidence through testosterone, you do that for a guy for six months and they become a different person yeah. because their brain is now, you know, being built around an environment of being like, I am an unstressed, capable man in the world. And they more can creative, undo. More loving, more caring. Yep. Probably function better at work, do a better job, get a better promotion, like mm. make more money for their family, have a better relationship. Yeah. Kids have more time for them. Like, yeah. uh, it just, it would have such a good flow and effect. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like hypothetically. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's this, there's this unfortunate stigma from, um, you know, coming out of like bodybuilding and, and particularly guys just taking absurd amounts of trend mm. that testosterone is going to make you this like, you know, the, the really volatile guy at the nightclub who's looking for a fight. Um, whereas, you know, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. It's very, it's not like that. No, like it's, it's the opposite. Yeah. It makes yeah. you calm. Um, yeah. makes you, you calm right. and centered. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, for men who are actually low in testosterone, they're the ones who tend to be more, uh, stubborn and volatile and picking fights and argumentative and emotional yeah. whereas the guys who are actually higher right. in testosterone 100%. makes you like a rock yeah 100% like you know one of the um, most successful amateur bodybuilders I had on this podcast was um, uh, James Newcomb mm-hmm. um, and he's very big on his um, his mindfulness and his spiritual self mm. around his training and around his performance enhancements he's like everything yep. for him needs to work Synergistically, yeah. it needs to work as a whole yeah. because without that, um, you know, if you push too hard in training, push too hard in nutritional supplements or performance enhancements, mm. you get something's going to give. It has to f- have a flow on effect. And so, like he's saying, under him now, even though his goals to you know win shows, etc., it's all about how much can he get into his own head or like into himself spiritually while he's training. That's awesome. And bring that, bring that into, and he says like you know, 
um, in the podcast about how that had a fall effect in his life. So yeah, that's really cool. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think you know lifting weights and training can can be a form of meditation. And I think yeah. I think yeah. for a lot of people it is. They don't even realize. Yeah. Um, and you know, if particularly for you know, you, you'd be huge on this. Like you know, if you're actually if you're doing a set, but you're actually focusing and you're present in your body, your muscle mind connection and oh, your actual muscle so recruitment is, is huge. Yeah, you get so much enjoyment. I think like you know, mm-hmm. if you ever watched uh, Pumping Iron back in the day, I mm-hmm. was like. You know, if you're not pumping, you're humping. It's yeah. Like, if your if your trainee is like he's like it's like he's coming. Yeah, three yeah, times yeah, a day yeah. He's like coming in the gym. Yeah, yeah. He's like it's like yeah. coming in the gym. But yeah. you know, a lot of people don't have that enjoyment. They have the stigma that you know fitness and training should be hard and like mm. you know, tough and it should hurt. Yeah, yeah, it should. But you should also find a place where it makes you happy and you enjoy it. Mm. And if you can go into yourself and find mm. your reason why, which yeah. is a big one, right? Um, you know, find your reason why you're doing it, mm. and um, really just become self self-absorbed in that moment mm. yeah and i think i mean for me personally like i i got really into um powerlifting when i first got into meditation yeah and the reason why i got into powerlifting was because like i and one of the reasons i got into meditation was i had a busy racing mind and powerlifting forces you to focus because you know if you've got a if you're doing your oh, one yeah. rep max on squats and you're thinking about something else you're gonna fucking hurt yourself yeah so it forces you into that state but it wasn't until i actually learnt practices of mindfulness and actually learned how to apply this in day-to-day life that I was able to actually do bodybuilding because for me personally I could never actually push my muscles on an isolation exercise to failure because it would be unpleasant I'd be thinking about something else and I'd stop and it wasn't until I could actually go into my into my mind and keep pushing and be in that moment that I could actually successfully do bodybuilding training. That's awesome mate. I love mm. that yeah that's a really good point and um, an example I'd just use to um, bring on something um, talk about something familiar to that, right? Mm. Is um, one of the ways I coach for strength athletes more so is if you go into a competition like a powerlifting competition, you're going to have up to 15 to 20 minutes between attempts, yep. between rests. Yep. So when I'm in the gym, I'm like, all right, I've programmed 10 minutes rest. I'm like, what the fuck are we going to do in 10 minutes? I'm like, yep. I'm going to get you to focus on your breathing. Yep. I'm going to get you to do some stretching. Yep. I'm going to get you to do two laps around the gym. Yep. I'm going to get you to clear everything out of your mind. Yep. And just talk to me. And then the last couple of minutes, I'm just going to get you to visualize how you're going to lift that weight. Yeah. I'm going to visualize, I want you to visualize and feel yeah. how, which muscles are going to activate. Yeah. I'm going to get you to focus where your breath is. I'm yeah. going to get you to focus on which point of the lift you're thinking about, what part of the lift, yeah. and which muscles you're using at that time. Yeah. They're like, what? Yeah. Yeah, but like teaching that over yeah. a few sets, and like, that's a whole, so we might only get like four or five sets in at the top set after warming up. Yeah. That's a whole session done. Yeah. But that teaching them is how much it actually takes to actually use every possible muscle fiber and switch on your central nervous system, mm. get everything firing in in an engine flow. Yeah, and how do people tend to respond to that? Are they are they at first they're like, like, like fuck off? Yeah, they're just like I can't do that. Yeah, I'm like we've got ten minutes, you're gonna learn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. then we got four sets after that, so yeah, we've got forty minutes where yeah. you're gonna learn how to do this. Yeah. So you know you can just not lift the weight. <laughs> yeah, and that's such an yeah. important life skill because you know they'll be able to take that to you know when they're sitting at the traffic lights or when they're you know, I, I think, you know, for most people in that scenario, 10 minutes between sets, they're going through Instagram, they're going through Facebook, yeah, they're, yeah. Um, they're not being present. I see I, Larry Wheels lifting like, why don't I do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if they can take that into their day-to-day life and, and actually, you know, use it when they're maybe going for a job interview or yeah. they're going on a date and they're yeah. waiting for the, you know, the, waiting for the person to get there and, um, you know, it's that's something that would just be so beneficial. So it's, yeah, it's awesome that you're teaching both the lifting weights and the mental aspect because usually it's just lifting the weights. Yeah, um, and the the biggest part, like one thing that Paul Check talks about, which I'm, I'm sure you'd, you'd be in agreement with, is um, he, he defines as there's two types of, of exercise: there's working out and there's working in. Mm. And he says working out is going and doing a form of exercise that leaves you with less energy than when you went in. So. Yeah resistance training you know hard exercise but then he talks about working in being like movement that gives you more energy than when you started so going for a walk in nature tai chi um gentle yoga all that kind of stuff and he he says that for if you want to do active recovery and if you want to be an athlete you need to spend you know kind of equal time working out to working in whereas people just you know and I, I was guilty of this for a long time the only physical activity i did was just slugging it in the gym yeah um and it's like just it's not it's not healthy. No, at the end of the day. no. Just give me one second. Mm. Run. Sorry, guys on the podcast. Just got a dog on the list. Um, the garage door is open. She's just out front. Oh. 
Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Bring it back to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just had a we just had a pop on podcast. Here. Anyway, um, we're just talking about like you know the difference between working out and working in, and that's yeah. so important. Like uh, you know instead of just going and flogging yourself, mm. like look at and this is this is just a saying that I use mm. is look at exercise as a celebration of what your body can do. Yeah. And same with food. Don't look at food as fuel, but look at it as a celebration of living mm. because you need to eat to be alive. Yeah. And lifting is just your body. Yep. doing what it can do yep. and if you look at it like that and you bring it to a much more simple form it makes it a lot more enjoyable yeah absolutely yeah, instead of just reps and sets and kilos yeah. yeah and I think you know what you were talking about there like that, it, that that's a, a good way already of, of balancing that ratio you know if you do a workout but you do you know five to ten minutes warming up warming down and then between sets you're stretching mm. you've already got that that ratio sorted yeah, um, yeah. so you, you can already you know you can you can do it pretty easily um, it's just about being conscious of what you're doing and why you're doing it, not being like, oh, I've got a you know two to ten minute rest period, so I'm just going to scroll through Instagram until my alarm yeah. goes off, and yeah, um, which is you know what most people in the gym are doing. Yeah, I just don't know what else to do in that time. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's a really important part is um, you know as people who educate people like yourself is um, teaching people those points. Like, mm. what can you do during that time? Like, just find some find some peace. Yeah. And, you know, that's another point that I talk about um, in between those sets. I'm like, when you bring yourself up to a maximal amount of effort, you need to also learn how to bring yourself down to the minimal yeah. state of being, yeah. uh, which is just slowing your breathing down, mm. being centered, being focused, because in that you can get more out of your maximum. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's so important in terms of like, you know, just recovery in general. It's like... You know, if you if you go to work all day and you know you're stressed doing whatever you do, and then you go and bust a hard workout and you come home and your idea of recovery is like watching you know an action movie on Netflix, <laughs> you're you're not recovering. You're, no. you're, you're the, your brain's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's why people have so much trouble sleeping because that's when they when they go to bed at the end of the night, it's the first time of the day that they're alone with their thoughts. Yeah. And their brain's just like, all right, I've got a whole bunch of stuff I yeah, need to what, get through what here. What most people do, they either shag or watch porn. Yeah. So it's like, you're just stimulating yourself. Like, try, yeah. try schedule it into other areas of your life. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, it's just having that, you've got to learn how to, exactly what you said, you've got to learn how to go to both ends of the spectrum. Mm. And, you know, I, I tell people, because, you know, because I, I taught meditation for a long time. Yes. And still do. Yeah, yeah. That's when we first met. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I think particular, like I think two things about meditation. One is that if you if you're like I can't meditate, you need to meditate. Like you're the one who needs to do it. If if you yeah. feel like you can't do it, you need it. Um, it's not saying you can't drive a car. Well, you can. You just yeah. haven't learned how to. Yeah. yeah. And I think the second thing is for the people with you know mental health problems, for the people with fear and panic and all that kind of stuff. Sitting down with your thoughts and just going toe to toe with it's one of the bravest things you can yeah. do. Yeah. Like and you just sitting with it and just being like, all right. I'm, I'm not going to run from this. I'm not going to strike. I'm going to look it in the eye and work out what's going on. Like that is the bravest thing that you can do. And also like one thing that I, I've said a while ago, which I, I, I kind of keep coming back to is the time that you put into mindfulness, meditation or, or whatever is the, one of the best uses of your time possible. Like if you put 10 minutes into meditation, I would, I would argue that there's not much else that you can do for 10 minutes that would yield you a oh. more productive result. Like it is yeah, bang for buck. Bang for buck. It yeah. doesn't even cost you anything. Yeah, yeah. It's so e you can pay for an app if you want, but yeah, it's literally just that simple. Just calming down, watching. I, you know, everyone does it differently, but mm. for myself, it's um, I'd spend a few minutes just watching my thoughts go by. Yep. Focusing on my breathing, watching my thoughts go by, mm. and then choosing a thought. Yep. And then focusing on it. Yep. And then let it slip away because it naturally does, and mm. come back to it. And focus on breathing, come back to that thought or choose another thought mm. and then focus on why I'm thinking about that thought and yep. like how does that thought benefit me and like just little things like that. I just go for a little tour for my brain and just like mm. doing that in that time gives me something to ask to focus on because mm. breathing builds a natural rhythm. So, you know, saying that yep. worked for me um, and then like, um, you know, if I, if I spend more than 10 minutes, it's like going into like mm. goals and like why do I want those goals and it just gets really deep and like, yep. you know, that's, that's just another level again. But uh, it can be that easy, which yep. is free. It yeah, cost you anything. Yeah, yeah. and it, to me, like you know, I, I love that that idea of meditation because there's this idea that when you sit down and meditate, you should just be still, and yeah. that that is one form of meditation. Yeah. But I think another very it takes beneficial... a lot of discipline. Yeah, it's like only eating one salad every day for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's tough work. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, it's fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's just one form. It's like being like the only form of training is powerlifting. It's yeah, like, you know, there's yeah. Lots it's of like just doing one reps every day. Yeah, yeah. and. And the, the amazing thing about meditating like that, in, in my opinion, is it's the ultimate form of self-quantification because, you know, you could be like, 
you know, let's say you did that at the end of every day. And then one day maybe you had 500 milligrams of caffeine and then you sat down at night and tried to meditate. You'd be like, whoa, this is I see not, color. Yeah. <laughs> Being like, oh, I I, see sound. yeah, this is not good for me. Um, and you can, you know, I, I encourage all my clients who begin hormone replacement to, to, to do that as part of their practice so that they can actually sit down with themselves and be like, oh, this is how I'm actually feeling. Um, and, you know, the really powerful thing is, you know, when people are, you know, working with supplements like ashwagandha or they're working with testosterone for the first time, they can sit down and be like, whoa, like I am really aware of the difference in myself. And, you know, for me, like I, I was leading one hour meditations over in Cottesloe on a, on a Monday night. And, you know, when I started using testosterone and then when I upped my dose to get it to being optimal, that was when I really was able to sit down with my thoughts and just feel so calm and Body present and anchored and yeah. being like, this is, this is good for me. And this is yeah. what, this is moving me, this is moving the dial in the direction that it needs to be. But if I was just moving through day-to-day life and just doing my thing, like, and that, that's where it blows my mind where people are like, oh, you know, I've been on an antidepressant for six weeks. I mean, like, I don't really notice anything. It's like, you're not looking. Although getting worse. Yeah. Which is so fucking sad. Yeah. So sad. You've, yeah. got, you've just got to be self-aware. Doctors like, let's up your dose and then they get worse again. It's like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing with people? Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, like, so one other thing that I do is genetic interpretations. So, you know, you get your genetics done through 23andMe, Ancestry or whatever, and I plug it into an engine and I can actually go, okay, the doctor says you have low serotonin, I'm going to have a look. So I can look at your production of neurotransmitters, your receptors, everything that's going on. And I can confidently say that every single person who I've worked with with mental health problems does not have a problem with serotonin. If anything, they've got too much serotonin. They do not have a problem with that. Help yeah, produce or exactly. Like, you know, give you a synthetic dose of it. Yeah, so there's too much going in. That's how much has it actually been utilized? Yeah, and where has it been utilized? Yeah, yeah. or what is it converted to? Yeah. And the main issue for men, honestly, in terms of mental health, when it comes to neurotransmission, is an enzyme called the COMPT enzyme. And have you heard of something called a warrior or a warrior gene? Yes. yes yeah. yeah. So one of the main issues for men, and this is something that I have as well, which is probably what got me into genetics. Is it like one in four males? I is think that, it's smaller. Yeah, I think okay, it's more yeah. like one in six or seven. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, one theory is that people with the warrior gene are more likely to have descended from Genghis Khan, but I don't think that's been proven. That's just a theory. Yeah, um, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> the like... The largest empire of, you know... One in 30 people or something have descended from it. Um, but yeah, basically what happens is you break down your neurotransmitters faster than the average person. So what that means is you need more stimulus. You chew through it. Yeah, you chew you through it. You chew through dopamine and serotonin and acetylcholine yep. and gamma. Yep. Like you just smash through it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm the same with dopamine. Like yep. um, if I'm not getting enough red meat or if yep. I'm not getting enough, um, um, uh, what was it? Uh, tyrosine, uh, someone called the precursor to dopamine. Phenylalanine or yeah, phenylalanine, then it's tyrosine, then it's L-dopamine. Yeah, sorry, yeah. it's T. Yeah. Um, uh, tyrosine. But yeah, I find if I'm not supplementing with that regularly, yeah. um, or just not eating enough red meat, yeah. which is a natural source of it, um, that just, um, yeah, my, my energy levels are down. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, what am I doing? I'm like, have I had enough red meat this week? Or should mm. I, have I not supplemented recently with that? So yeah, that's yeah. one that I find, yeah. But the cool thing about that is because, you know, if you were doing like the average monotonous desk job, that yeah. would just be, you wouldn't be able to do it. You wouldn't notice it. Yeah. But when you're lifting and on your feet yeah. and you're doing like, you know, I do like between 30 to 40,000 steps a day just from PT. Yeah. Um, it's just like, yeah, your body and your brain's always like firing. It's like, mm. you just chew through it. Yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing is like the benefit of having that gene is that in stressful situations, you're going to be cool, calm and collected. Yeah. So in a situation yeah. that someone like else would, yeah. <laughs> I was like, just open up my home gym. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, let's do it. Or even, you know, running your own business and running it, yeah. doing all the things you're doing. It's like a lot of people who are on the other side of the spectrum, the warriors, the people who chew through really slowly, man. they'd freeze. They'd yeah. just be like, no, 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 I can't do that's, it. That's what I noticed that in a lot of PTs I thought were, you know, um, were good at what they did or like, you know, strong willed and they just shut down business. Mm. They're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, what? Why yeah. not? You yeah. can do it. Yeah. They're like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, no, it's too hard. I'm yeah. Like, Fair enough. Yeah. To their own. Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's a good point. You get people that are genetically built better for stress. Yeah. yeah. And then it's just like, okay, well, you're depressed. You're not getting enough of what you need. It's like, oh, well, maybe you need to go do something harder. Um, particularly challenge for yeah. yeah. Go do something hard and, or, you know, get, get a job or get a, get a career that's movement based, yeah. you know, like there's a very strong, um, overexpression of, of warrior genes in, police, paramedics, military, mm. because it's people who are drawn to being like, I actually feel more calm and centered when I'm doing something stressful. 
wonder if that's um has there been any studies on whether that gene has um been found in females yes yeah i thought so yes. yeah yeah because you you meet some females it's like how are you not a dude mm. but like, you know still obviously yeah not, not i don't mean on a sexual preference yeah but i mean on the physical preference where they're like they're just strong yeah and they're like got this look that they'll probably bite your head off if you say the wrong thing to them but yeah like the most gentle souls yeah which are a lot of those type of people yeah yeah well the other thing that comps does is not only does it chew through dopamine it also metabolizes estrogen yes so it's yeah. that would also be contributing that it to sense. in terms yeah. of yeah. drive because you know for women you know testosterone is very important for drive and motivation yeah so. yeah. yeah yeah that's cool man um, is there any other points you want to touch on, like uh, how people find you, where they find you, how they get in contact with you? Because that pretty much wraps it up for our podcast. But yeah. just jump, jump some points here. I think we'll probably do a part two. In yeah, future. yeah, absolutely. Definitely, yeah. we can pick up where we left off. Uh, but for time, that's about where we're at. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it would be cool to um, to do a, a part two and go into thyroid because I yeah. think that's something that... It's all just 90 minutes on that. Yeah, yeah, and it's very actionable for people. And, yeah. you know, it's something they can go to the GP, they can get their blood work, and, you know, I can talk about numbers and they can they can work out if they've got a problem or not. And it's, yeah, it's, it's something really cool. that is very easy to fix. So yeah, very passionate about that. But, um, yeah, if you want to get in contact with me, my website is advancedfundamentalhealth.com. Yeah, I'll check um, that link at the bottom of the podcast description. Yeah, perfect. And then, you know, on that website, you can you can drop me a message. And, you know, one thing I recommend everyone does is just send me a message and tell me what's going on. And, and if I can't help you, I'll refer you to someone who can. That's the best thing about that, man. Yeah. Like, that's the best thing about being um, skilled as you are. Mm. Um, having those recommendations is knowing what you can take on and what you can't. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really, really happy for people to send me through you know, send me your life story, send me your blood work, send me everything. And if I can help you, I'll be like, cool, book in. And if I can't, I'll be like, look, I, maybe I can, but it wouldn't be worth, you'd be better off seeing this person. Cool. And, yeah. um, I've got a, I've got a good network of people, you know, in Perth, but also all over the country. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, from there, I've got a booking system so you can just select a date and time that suits you when you can just book in and awesome, man. it's all, all easy days. And yeah, thank you. Easy. Thank Hi. you for having me. This has been no awesome. No worries. Thanks for coming on board, Dave. No, no look forward to the next one. Yeah, absolutely.